The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Ad, number 110 for Monday, July 2nd, 2007. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun. Hi, John. Wow, I kind of lost track of time there. I had a trouble getting that out. The date? But then I'm on mean? vacation. Well, I'm taking yeah. tomorrow off. And then, you know, Wednesday, of course, we celebrate our independence. That's right. Or at least we do here in Connecticut. But, but tonight we celebrate our interdependence as John and I rely on each <laughs> other to deliver you the best podcast we possibly can. Uh, and How? Where'd you get that? Don't you like that? That's good stuff. That's isn't it? great. I pulled that right out of the top of my head. Uh, so uh, today's show, as promised, uh, is going to feature up front some reviews, and then uh, uh, a couple of things that John has, and one thing that I looked at this week, and then we've got some tips uh, for you in answer to your questions, and of course from you uh, um, in response to previous shows. So. I don't have really anything else to add, so let's just jump right into this. John, why don't you start here? And I believe the first product that we're talking about today is something called File Juicer. Um, why don't you tell us what that is? And yes, we'll go from there. and this is great because, you know, I love talking about what interests me. Because a lot of times it's about these other people, but oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, okay, if you're still listening, here we go. So anyways, yes, yeah. this, was, uh, this was part of a recent Monday's Mac Gadget, which some of you know that you know on occasion i like to write this um but i found this really really cool utility that once i found it i you know i, I can't imagine doing without it because it it, it reminds me of a, a days of uh, you know in in the past of apple where and you may remember this dave but you know files or apple files were always kind of weird in that they have different parts a resource fork a data fork and just getting data out of them was always kind of interesting now you probably remember resedit dave of course which in the old days was this thing resource editor because you know apple files were, were kind of cutting edge and having this concept of a data fork and a resource fork where resources would be all the things like the icons and other fun things that would you know make a file do do what it does now with os 10 it's it's not that clear to me sometimes how to get at because you know a lot of files there's all sorts of things like graphics and sounds and cool stuff sure but short of uh, from the finder what you can do is um you know if you click on an application you right click typically or control kick whatever click um you'll get a choice in the contextual menu called show package contents. And that kind of digs in because a lot of Apple files aren't what they seem. Like applications are typically a .app file and you can dig into them and there's different structures, different files. But short of that, there's really no way to get into what's inside of a file. And you know, a lot of times there's really interesting stuff. So I just came across this thing and now that I've used it, it it's awesome. So it's called File Juicer and as the name implies, it squeezes all the juice or all the good stuff out of a file and and it really couldn't be easier and it has you know a couple of major modes the one major mode you know again it couldn't be easier is you take a file you drag it on top of file juicer and it will then create a folder with subfolders for the file types that it pulls out so if it finds gif files it'll make a little gif folder under the application folder of course okay yeah sure sure so it makes one folder for whatever the name of the app is, and then it makes these subfolders. So it could be JPEGs, it could be PNGs, it could be GIFs, it could be sounds. Uh, I believe there's about 25 file types uh, that this supports. 
Um, so that's one thing it does, and it's just it does it very, very well. And actually, you may be surprised sometimes at what's inside of files. And actually, I was you know emailing back and forth with the author, and one thing he suggested, which I think would peg the geek meter, is you know how you always wonder what's going on in a system update when you get a software update? Oh, sure. It's usually yeah. stored in your receipts folder. Well, he said, hey, you know, this is a cool way to really kind of dig in and find some of the, the juicy stuff there, like especially maybe a new graphic or a new icon that uh, may hint at, you know, some secret stuff that may be coming. Uh. So that's one thing that it does. Now, another thing that it does also is that it knows about a lot of the caches, <clears throat> excuse me, on your, uh, uh, in a lot of applications. So for example, uh, you know, Safari has a cache, uh, Spotlight, uh, has a cache, all sorts of things store these little temporary files, and what it does, it knows about all of these. So if you run the app and then you select from the menu one of these caches, uh, you know, for, for example, um, you know, I asked it to show me some dashboard stuff. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, not Spotlight Dashboard. And it was bringing up little graphics from one of the weather applications that uh... I have in Dashboard. So so I just say this is really a great tool, especially for, for people that are really wondering, you know, what's kind of buried in my system and what may I not want buried in my system? And, and finally, the last thing that it does is it can, like some other applications, but it will recover uh, deleted things from Flash Media. Uh, as you probably know, but if you don't, a lot of times when you delete something, it doesn't really delete it. It just kind of marks it, and especially with Flash Memory because it's relatively slow, you don't want to actually scrub the whole thing. Okay. You just want to kind of put a okay. marker saying, okay, come back and use this space later. Sure. Uh, so that's another thing that it does. Ah. So. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so I just think it, it's really cool. And you're going to find, you know, you probably find a lot of garbage that you don't care about. But of every course. now and then you may find a little gem um, of, uh, you know, information inside of a file. So, um, you know, we're going to link to it or, you know, we'll link to the gadget. That talk oh, you can also automate it. So you can do file actions uh, if you'd uh, like to. Um, has automator support. So just all sorts of great stuff. And uh, right now it's up to version 4.8. It's only 15 bucks, 14.95. Uh, it does have some restrictions. Uh, you know, it's not crippled, but, you know, it puts some little watermarks and I think there are size limitations. So um, okay. definitely check it out if you haven't already, Dave. Cool. Yeah, I, you know, I actually... Uh completely uh, separate from this review i had met uh Enrique, i guess is is his name the uh the gentleman who who wrote this while i was at wwd uh, wwdc in the go to market lab okay. and, and he, he and i echo 1 is he, his, it's uh, echo 1 that's right and uh and he and i had an opportunity to chat and he said the the thing that brings people to his site for file juicer more than anything else is searching for mac and exe files because it will extract if if an exe file just contains say you know flash or uh, uh, images or movies it'll suck all that stuff out of it and uh, and that can be really handy and so we went and searched for it and uh, it, it just he wanted to show me that this is how it did it and the second or third thing that came up his was of course the first uh, and and the second or third thing that came up on Google was an old old ass Dave column from like seven years ago, uh, <laughs> dealing with the same thing, but of course long before File Juicer came out. So uh, we just had a had a nice little laugh over it. But it will it'll it'll pull out uh, all the stuff that's buried in those in EXE files, unless it's a program, in which case there's nothing to pull out. And at that point, EXE you've got file. Oh, yeah. you you sound like a DOS guy. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That so, being, of course, an executable. Right. right for those. Right. Right. They've <laughs> been shielded from the horrors of uh, DOS and files. That's right. <laughs> <clears throat> cool. All right. Well, we will link to that. Uh, okay. So I have had the opportunity for the last uh, couple of weeks to take a look at an Apple TV here. 
and I've actually, I say here, I, I mean back over at the house, uh, way on the other side of the driveway. Not and here, but there. Not here, but there. That's right. And uh, and it's been an interesting little tour. Um, I, I guess I'll start with the with the setup here. Pulling it out of the box was, it, it, it's simple. It, it's the Apple TV, the remote, and a power cord. The, the uh, transformer. Yeah, it kind of looks like a Mac. Mini, yes, it? it sure does. The, the case design seems very similar to, and a lot of the hard drives out there now. So, so kind of square, but kind of rounded. Yeah, square um, with rounded corners and 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 flat. And okay, it, so and, I'm sorry, but again, out of the box experience. I'm, I'm, hopefully, it's the same as most Apple stuff. It's like you know, telling a story as you take it out of the box and you get at the documentation and all that. You do, but, the, but how did the setup go? Okay, so the setup, the the most difficult part about the setup was figuring out what ports to use on my television and digital receiver to hook it up. And that's only because we have so much other stuff hooked up that I had to do a bit of juggling just to free up the right ports to make this work. I wound up hooking oh. it up to the HDMI port on our TV and a, a digital light pipe port for audio on the, our digital receiver. Interesting, because HDMI can carry both audio and video, but you opted for breaking out the audio or higher quality audio, I guess. Well, H yeah, HDMI will carry higher quality audio, but it's carrying it to my television, whereas I don't want the audio carried to my television. I want it carried to my digital receiver so that it can, because that's what drives my speakers. Gotcha. Our, tel our television doesn't do any of that. Um, so it could, but but our receiver's better. So I did that. Now, the, the one uh, item of note is that the Apple TV does not come with any of the cables that you would need. So you, uh, you need to be aware of how you're... And, and that's because they would have to include all sorts of different cables, right? They'd have to include HDMI and component, and then they'd have to include, uh, you know, light pipe and uh, uh, regular, you know, analog left and right stereo. Yeah. It would so be that's a, where TiVo, I think, is is nice in that, well, again, you're paying 800 bucks for it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but they did toss in an HDMI cable when I bought mm -hmm. it, and I think, yeah, you, you also have the uh, the Series the 2. Series now, how about, because I remember, uh, not to compare it to, well, we'll compare it to TiVo. I don't know. Maybe it's a valid comparison, but did, did they have a, because I remember the TiVo had a lot of very nice diagrams say, okay, if you got this set up and these devices. Oh, yeah. Here's the cables and here's the stuff you need. So was it pretty straightforward yeah. in guiding you? Uh, I mean, you've already been through it, so you're probably pretty knowledgeable. But was it pretty clear for a beginner what cables and all that they need to, to get it working? Yeah, it, it, the, uh, you're right. I didn't even look at the manual. I just hooked it up. Um, oh, okay. But, but I then looked at the manual to make sure that it was fairly clear. And it, it is. Again, though, if you need some working knowledge of your home entertainment setup, uh if you don't, if you're, if you've got some convoluted setup and you're not entirely sure how it works, your best bet would be to go with HDMI and just plug it into your TV and hope that the way things are, the rest of the stuff is set up, that the sound carries through the the rest of the the deal, which it could, uh, and and would likely work. But you know, once it was installed, I just turned it on and up it came. And then the first thing you do is you you marry it to uh, you you connect it to your wireless network or a wired network. It, it'll do either. Uh, I opted for wireless because I don't have an Ethernet port strung into my living room, so I connected it wired wireless to my uh, Airport Extreme. No, Airport. God, I, I get so confused with the name. My Airport 802.11G base station, and uh, G. G. Okay, now I thought, now help me out here, but I thought 
the Apple TV was an N device or it has is. the potential. It, it has the potential to go all the way up to N. Uh, in the house, I've only got up to G. And and more on that, on the speed of that later. Okay, okay. And, and so you, you connect it up to that, and that went fine. It actually connected to my WPA2 network, and it was no problem. And then you start marrying it to iTunes libraries. And the way you do that is it gives you a passcode on the screen. You go to your computer. You, the computer in iTunes will see the Apple TV. You tell it, yep, connect, type in the same passcode, and bam, you're good to go. Now, you can hook this up to five different Macs or Windows PCs running iTunes in your house. And you can stream from five of those. You can sync from one of them. And the difference is that when it's synced, it actually copies data that you specify. It's, it's very similar to connecting an iPod in, where you go into iTunes and you say, look, here's the Apple TV, and I want to copy you know, the two most recent movies and uh, you know, or maybe five most recent movies and the two most recent episodes of all unwatched TV shows. And I want to copy these particular podcasts and this particular music playlist and these particular pictures, et cetera, et cetera. And you can actually prioritize pictures over anything else that you've got some nice pictures on the uh, on the Apple TV as your screensaver. And it actually will scroll through okay. those in this 3D view. So, so like we said before, so it's still one, <clears throat> like we commented before, one iTunes library to one device. So the streaming of. is multiple, so it sounds like they're kind of hearing what people need, but exactly. But it's still a one-to-one -one deal. One iTunes library to one Apple TV? Is that, well, is that... yeah, to sync to it. Now, again, syncing copies from iTunes okay. over the network to Apple TV. Now, the beauty of that is you can then take that iTunes library and walk away with it. You can shut the computer down. You can take the computer off the network. And mm. all the content that was synced previously to the Apple TV still lives there. And... Uh, and and it will stay there until you know you come back and resync and either pull stuff off or add new stuff on. Streaming, as the name implies, requires the mm -hmm. iTunes library to be active and on the network. And streaming works very very well. You, you the 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 trick is the way it works is you essentially have one view of the world and your view of the world is either what's on my Apple TV or what's going to be streamed from one particular Mac. So you can't aggregate all of the content at once. Let's say you're looking for a particular song. You can't just start searching through music and have it go out and look at all of the, the libraries that are out there at once. You say, look, I think it's on my wife's computer. So I'm going to change my view of the world to her computer, sync up with that, not sync, but, but lock into that and then browse the library over the network and then stream whatever song it is that I want or whatever TV show or whatever movie. Okay. So the movie has to be within another iTunes? Yes. I just want to make sure. Okay, so yes. it's it's not the one that's married to it, but it's it's one of the five that you select. And Correct. So, so for within iTunes, you can then say the target is my Apple TV device. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm not explaining this right. One iTunes library is the one that syncs, and that's the one that actually yes. copies data Understood. to it. If you're streaming, though, you choose that from the Apple TV with your remote sitting on the couch. I'm sorry. Okay. So from the Apple TV, you you yep. choose the remote library that has the bingo the, so so then are you limited by the file types that are supported by itunes correct that's absolutely right which would be mpeg4 i guess yeah mpeg4 it'll it, yeah it's it actually itunes actually supports quite a few um or avi and correct 
yeah. depending on the if you yeah. have the right code. So you may have to add a code. Did you have to add any codecs? Or I uh... didn't. No, I was able to play everything that I had, uh, everything okay. that I tried in my iTunes library. But of course, my iTunes library is already geared to work with my iPod, and any file types that work with the mm -hmm. iPod work with Apple TV. So uh, I probably wouldn't have run into those problems because I've already scrubbed my iTunes library and converted things that uh, okay. that wouldn't work with the iPod. So cool. And yeah. now the streaming. Did that work okay? Because G, I mean, N is roughly twice as fast as G, right? That's right. So G is 54 megabits, and then N is 10 Yeah, and N, N is actually faster than, than G because G really runs at half its speed, and N actually runs faster than half its hmm. speed. But, but so here's the thing. I've got, like I said, the Series 3 TiVo basically sitting in the same place as the Apple TV. The Series 3 TiVo, when I transmit data, and it's got a TiVo wireless adapter – so presumably it's married as well as it could possibly be. The fastest that I've seen data transfer is like 800K over my wireless network. And now this is going clear across the house. So I kind of figure, all right, well, that's the wireless range and that's just how it's going to be. One corner of the house to the complete opposite corner of the house. When I hooked up the Apple TV and started syncing my computer to it, it was going at almost, you know, 27 megabits, 27 mega, yeah, megabits. 2.7 megabytes. It was nearly going full speed of uh, of the uh, of the wireless network. So either TiVo's doing something horribly wrong or Apple's doing something amazingly right to to huh. to really get the most out of the wireless signal and it's probably a combination of the two. Um so it, yeah, I remember the TiVo was kind of picky. Like actually, the Series Three. Well, you ran into this. There's only mm -hmm. one adapter that you can use with the TiVo. Yeah, and that's what I've theirs. got. Yeah, officially supported. That's right. Maybe you can get another one working. I don't know. I know on the prior TiVos, you could get another uh, alternate brand. Yep. But anyways, okay. So the streaming was satisfactory. It, it, totally fine. Lisa and I um, watched a, a couple of episodes of Weeds uh, on the thing, which is a series that we don't get because we don't have Showtime here, and we streamed those to it. And it was totally fine. You hit, you select the episode and hit play, and it pretty much starts right away. It, it there was there was very okay. very it, almost unnoticeable delay, uh, maybe a little bit of lag. I don't know, but but certainly mm. nothing worth complaining about. And the uh, so I have, I have two things to say about the the, the video quality. I, I've I've pulled a lot of stuff from our series two TiVo onto my Mac, so uh, TV shows and that sort of thing. Now, the TiVos can't talk to each other because of the way the Series 3 works, but my mm. Mac can talk to the Apple TV. Everything that I've converted for TiVo on my Mac is at iPod quality because that's where I would have been watching it. I stream some of that stuff back to Apple TV, and it actually looks really good. We watched an episode uh, of, uh, what was it? I guess it was uh, The Twilight Zone last night, and... Mm. Uh, and it, it looked really, really sharp. They, they, they've got to be doing some, some massive upconversion in the Apple TV to, to make that stuff look good. So whatever they're doing there works really, really well. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's an Apple product. It, everything is – it's so easy to use that you almost forget how, how much it can do. You know, the, the remote uh, has six buttons. You know, right? It's it's just the same remote that you would get with your uh, with your with all the new Macs. Uh, now I did sync it up with my Logitech Harmony remote, and it worked fine. So I haven't even I didn't even have to use the Apple remote, and uh, and it works it works it works fine. There's you know no complaints. The the remote is very responsive. There's no no lag or any weird 
delays when you press buttons. It just it just works and it scrolls through menus and uh, and then of course you can go online and and download you know movie trailers and see that stuff and that stuff just starts right away. And, and I think YouTube, right? And now YouTube. That's the big deal with the latest version is that they added the ability for you now from the Apple TV. You then just connect to YouTube and you can search for things. Yeah, is, you, is that you how set, it works? Or? You set your view of the world to the Apple TV and then there's a YouTube option in the menu and. Uh, and you can start browsing YouTube. You can actually log into your own YouTube account uh, if you've got uh -huh. one and view all your favorites there. Not everything is converted for use on Apple TV yet. The, the folks at Google YouTube say that they're in the process of, of doing that. And, of course, I'm, I'm sure that's true. So, uh, so not everything that I tried to watch worked. But of the stuff that, uh, that was converted, it, you know, yeah, just came in just fine, just like, just like you would expect it to. Uh, yeah, it 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 was a it was a very it, it was almost uh there was nothing special about the experience because it worked so seamlessly, right? It just you just plug it in and it works. Now, comparing that to what I had previously, which was the ability to get uh photos and music on my TV or on my home entertainment unit via TiVo, and that works okay, but this is so much better than that, largely because it's all built by the same company, right? You know, you've got Apple on one end and Apple on the other. You, browsing your music library is, is so much faster and so much more seamless. Browsing for photos, again, it, the, it's just right there. The stuff just works. Uh, very, very smooth. Very, very simple experience. And... Uh, Again, it just works. You know, if you're watching a, a movie on your Apple TV and you pause the movie there and then you sync to your iPod from your computer and you go uh, onto the airplane and you start watching, the movie resumes from the spot that you paused it on the Apple TV. All that stuff is carried through just like you would expect it to be. But again, you know, they've looked that far in, uh, ahead to, to make sure that that functionality is just nice and smooth. Um one one complaint that I have about it, and this this is because I'm a TiVo guy, is the Apple TV only connects digitally, right, to to your TV. So if you don't have a TV with an HDMI or component hookup, it's not going to work. Along those lines, the Apple TV forces you to pick a fixed output resolution. Now, what that means what that means is. Uh, Let's say, you know, you, you decide that, okay, I'm going to fix my output resolution to 720p. Well, if mm -hmm. you've got 480p content, it, the Apple TV is going to upconvert that to 720p and spit it to your TV, and your TV is going to think that it's at 720p. Similarly, mm -hmm. if you set the output of the Apple TV to 1080i, the same thing would happen. 480p, the same thing would happen. What I've become accustomed to, and this is because TiVo does it, is TiVo has what they call a native mode where you, the TiVo doesn't muck with the signal at all. Whatever it comes through as is what it passes it to the TV. With our TV, which happens to be a fairly high quality TV with, with great converters, our TV takes care of the conversion from 480p to whatever the native mm -hmm. resolution of our TV is or from 720p to the native resolution or 1080i. And I like the way that our TV converts that stuff. It does some great stuff with standard def where it fills the screen but doesn't make it look all stretched. And uh, and I really like that. That's not something that I can do easily with the Apple TV. 
Um, and and their reason for doing it is understandable. They don't want you to wind up going through mode switches every time you shift to new content, which on some TVs can cause flickering and that sort of thing, depending on how it's connected. Um, but it would be a nice option to have, even with a warning that, well, you might not like the side effects, but if you're okay with that, well, here you go. Again, that's not Apple's bag, so I can understand why they didn't do it, but it is having the TiVo, it is a feature that I miss. So, mm-hmm. um, And then my only other complaint is uh, you can't buy from the couch. If you're watching a TV show and you get to the end of a particular episode, it'd be great wow. if I could just buy the next episode and as soon as it's done downloading, start watching it. Not an option. Yeah. You have to go back to the computer to uh, to to buy it, wait for it to download there, and then come back to the Apple TV. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, simplifies the process, understand why they did it, but uh, I'd sure like to be able to buy TV shows, movies, and songs from sitting on the couch. And I think, frankly, they'd sell a lot more if you could view the trailer for yeah. a movie and say, hey, let's watch that, press the button, and boom. But you know, you I'm, I'm sure in the secret Apple labs buried deep within Cupertino that they're working on that. I would, I would imagine, yeah. I mean, it would, it stands to reason. I mean, there's no reason to get off the couch, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But then again, you know that, that. While I'm sure you're right that they're working on it, it unless they can make it work the way they want it to work, we'll never see it in the product. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's it's a solid device. It does exactly what you would expect it to do in a very easy to use package. It extends what you have on your computer to your HD TV in all its glory. Uh, and that's just, that's exactly what you'd want. It, again, it, it's not a blow, it's not a blow me away product simply because it works so well. Does that make hmm. sense? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, to me, I mean, the TiVo was like a paradigm shift. Yeah. You know, it was just like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I can do this. So we're probably desensitized mm. to the whole, you know, being able to to watch stuff when you want versus when it's being broadcast or yeah. sent over your cable. So yeah. uh, that's a good desensitized. point. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I've been a TiVo guy for, what, six plus years now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally desensitized to that paradigm shift. It, uh, uh, so, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, did you uh, did you see the deal? I just got this. I got I actually got to tell my family because the rest of my family still has Series One with lifetime memberships. Yeah, and I just got an email saying, "Hey, you want a Series Two? We'll let you transfer the lifetime." Oh, that's cool. Pretty nice deal. That's good. Because yeah, the, the even the two has something over the one. You know, the networking and stuff like that. So, anyways, and you can do dual turner on the two. So, yes. Yeah. So, uh, cool. Excellent. So, there you go. the the geeky uh, The geeky view of the Apple TV. That's uh... very nice. And then uh, I just want to mention, can I talk about one more thing? Sure. <laughs> okay. So, um, so one of the cool things being, you know, here in the hip and happening, you know, area of Connecticut is that every now and then the, these groups will have these little uh, events here in New York city. And that's just a, a ride on the, you know, uh, rusty, broken down, you know, nearly unusable train service we have here. Hello, governor, get something going on or somebody. Anyways, yeah, our, our train service is, is pretty hurting, right, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've been on it lately, but uh, anyways, it, it's better than walking or driving, though, because, right. yeah, driving into city, New York City is terrible. So anyways, there was a, this one event that I, I popped into. It was only a few hours, but it was a lot of the vendors that we, it wasn't really a Mac event, but, you know, I, I always like to go to these just to keep in touch with the uh, 
the vendors. It was called Digital Experience, which is, uh, um, you know, just the assembly of, you know, uh, uh, several major vendors. But the cool thing is that I got this piece of, uh, I guess we call it swag, mm-hmm. which is uh, handouts. And this just caught my eye. So just talk about it briefly. So what is uh, it? our good friends at Qualcomm gave it to me. Okay. So it's a flash drive, but it's different from so the one I had before and I also linked to this as I wrote a little uh, did a write up on this is it was um so I had one drive that I actually purchased because I washed my uh, Apple uh, uh, my iPod shuffle so I needed a new flash drive and I got one uh, I think it was Lexar and it had a little uh, fuel gauge on it using this e-ink technology so when you it was like an LCD but when you pulled it out it stayed there and I'm like well that's pretty cool so that's I actually cool. purchased one of those but then they gave this little handout and every now and then you get a real you know cool one and then I looked at it and this one had the capacity of the drive a name an alphanumeric name and then a little pie chart showing the space now the cool thing is that without any drivers drivers or anything it'll basically transfer the name that you give it to the display, which is up to 11 characters. So you can imagine that that oh, wow. is pretty neat. So without um, without doing anything, uh, now the only limitation is 11 characters. Okay. You could put your phone number, my name. Yeah. So I have it, you know, John Braun, John Dash Braun. And it uses something uh, very similar. You, you, have, um, you have it in front of you there, Dave, too. But uh, it's a uh, – so first I was like, who the heck makes this? Because – the included documentation, and you know, every now and then you, you come across this, it was like I could sense it wasn't made in this country. It was made somewhere else. But as far as I can tell, it's kind of an OEM thing. And I eventually okay. found by using some Google Foo, it said model DD01. So I finally found the company that makes it, uh, Didigo, I think is the name of the okay. company. And they call this USB flash drive with LCD display. It doesn't need any drivers, Mac or PC, uh, but it has this thing called a bistable cholesterol liquid crystal display is that how you would pronounce I, that that's how i would pronounce it yeah so to me it sounds like a very similar technology and, and this is very exciting i think just in general is that you can now get these displays lcd like displays that don't need power to maintain their output and this is exactly what this thing does i mean so, do so the magic me, of let me let me ask here to to clarify that the the display requires power to change it but once it's set to something you can take power right. away. You unplug it from your computer, and the display still retains whatever was on it the last time you, you changed it while it was plugged in. Exactly. So what happens is, uh, and all I can imagine is that, you know, I mean, to maintain a USB drive anyways, you got to know the name of the drive. It's buried in there sure. somewhere in the drive. So I can imagine what they do is they have a little piece of, you know, firmware in this drive that says, hey, the name changed. Let me write it to the display. But I can just imagine the uses for this. I mean. Oh, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was alpha geek for like a day at work because I'm like, check this out. And they're like, what? and I, I've never seen one of these before. But the big challenge was tracking down the company. And so the weird thing is that the company that makes it, I, I'm assuming they're over in China or Japan, doesn't have a way to buy the device. Right. But if you do a bit more Google Foo, now I couldn't find it. It said model DD01. Yep. Um, but actually, I did frugal. So the first thing I did, so one geeky sideline, and then we'll get back to how I found it, is that um, a lot of devices, if you wonder who makes them, if you plug them into your computer and then you do about this Mac and more info, that runs the Apple system profiler. So one thing you can do is if you have a USB device, if you click on that part of the system profiler under hardware, it'll show you vendor ID. Now, this is something much like the MAC address of a Ethernet adapter. It's unique to each vendor. And so this one was 07CC. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So let me go online do some more Google Foo and say, let me search for vendor ID 
and and I found a page. I'll link to it. But basically, that is someone called Kerry Computer Engineering Company Limited, which yeah, again, I think it's over in China somewhere. Okay. By searching for them, it eventually got me to the web page that describes the product. The thing is to invoke evil some more Google foo is I actually had to search on the term not the model number, but when I went to Frugal, which of course is Google's you know little shopping site. Yeah. Um, it brought me to a couple of uh, sites. It, when I did a search with just regular Google, I found people like in Australia, New Zealand. So I guess they do worldwide distribution. But searching through Frugal, I did uh, Frugal. I found a couple of vendors by searching on that bi-stable cholesterol LCD display oh, cool. that sell it in the U.S. So um, maybe you'll put. A I just thought of those it was. Cool. I mean, just uh, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So a couple of vendors. Uh, so they got a weird kind of OEM uh, deal here. And obviously, you know, handing this out at, at events, I guess they will, you know, if you order some from them, we'll put a custom logo on it. But I just think the, the future display technology is pretty cool because I never would have imagined that you could have an LCD or any display without power and it maintains it. And this is a perfect use for it. Um, yeah. You know, some people are talking about e-paper and stuff. I don't know if we're ever going to get to that point where you're going to have, you know, a sheet of paper that's, an LCD-like thing. But for devices that just need a periodic update of an LCD display, this is a perfect use. So, yes, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll link to it. So that's my, uh, that's, uh, you know, again, I was alpha geek for a day for having such a cool, a cool device. That's, that's uh, <laughs> you know, that's cool. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, our sponsor for this show is Barebones, and specifically their BB Edit software. Now, you all know that I use BB Edit to do a lot of things, including creating the HTML page that uh, eventually becomes the show notes for Mac Geek Gab. With BB Edit, you can exercise total control over your text. You can do all sorts of things, and it all is done with plain text. Formatting, programming, if you've got something that you're writing in, say, C or PHP or Java, BBEdit is actually smart enough to figure out what language it is you're using and then start formatting the text, including any uh, functions and anchors and links and all of that stuff in a way that is very easy to read and very easy to scroll through. In fact, if you've got functions, you can twist them all up and just see the function descriptor line so that you can just move through very quickly and then find the one that you want to edit, twist it down, edit the function, twist it back up, save it. Doesn't change the file at all. The file remains plain text. BB Edit does all the work inside it. Uh, BB Edit is available from barebones.com. And uh, one of the new features is all the clipping support. So you can have all sorts of little text snippets and insert them at different points just to make your life easier. Again, bbedit from barebones.com. And with that, we'll move on to Reuven's comment, uh, which turns into a question, although he didn't know it when he sent it. I think. Hello, John and Dave. Uh, my name is Reuven Steinberg. I am a listener from Israel who happens to be vacationing in the United States, catching up with family and friends. And I thought I would pass on this comment. Last year, I bought a uh, uh, first revision MacBook Pro, and this year, uh, two weeks ago, I bought the new 15-inch MacBook Pro, um, 2.4 gigahertz, and I have been a loyal super-duper user for a while, and I thought, what a way to upgrade. I'll just image my drive, and then I'll just reinstate the image on the new computer. Well, I did, 
and uh, I tried, excuse me, it wouldn't let me boot, first of all. It kept uh, blue screening from booting from the external drive, which worked with the old MacBook. Um, so I did a very interesting thing to get around it. I think there may be some hardware incompatibility, um, and that's why I'm reporting this. What I did was to um, create an image onto an external hard drive, then I booted from the install disk. I used the disk utility to uh, mount the image and then to and then to reinstate the image, or in this case, I guess, instantiate for the first time. And um, then I shut the power book down, tried rebooting, and I got the same gray screen. So I thought to myself, hmm, this is very interesting. Um, there must be some sort of incompatible driver or something um, because the super duper had worked with my other MacBook and the MacBook was working just fine. So what I did was I then took the uh, install disk and I rebooted the computer and it said, would you like to do an in-place upgrade, which I figured would solve the um, driver issues. So if any of your other listeners should come across this problem, um, you can always get around it by uh, forcing the image onto the disk, onto the hard drive of the computer, and then you can do an in-place upgrade, and you get to keep all your preferences and all the, all the other good stuff that you spent uh, a tremendous amount of time uh, organizing so that it would be just exactly the way you like it. Anyway, thanks. Uh, I like listening, and I'll uh, keep listening. You can reach me. All right. Uh, while I appreciate a brute force effort like this and certainly appreciate you sharing your comments with us, I would have to say that, man, there's an easier way. Uh, in fact, this is exactly why Apple created the migration assistant. The whole idea behind the migration assistant is that you either install OS 10 and this would be 10.4 and later onto your computer. Or, in the case of your new computer, it simply comes with OS X pre-installed on it, ready to go, all the right drivers. And as an aside, yeah, you know, just an old MacBook Pro had a completely different uh, chipset managing the motherboard than the new one does. So it doesn't surprise me at all that, that some of this stuff wouldn't work. Uh, so, but, but yet your new one came with all oh. this good stuff on it. And then you go and... Uh, one of the first things it asks you when you start it up is, do you want to migrate the settings and data from an old Mac? And it will do exactly as you as you said. In fact, you have a couple of different uh, levels that you can do, but, but the full migration pulls all the user accounts, all the data, all the preferences, and most of the system-wide settings over. There are a couple of things mm -hmm. that it won't pull, like uh, I think some preference panes, if they're installed globally, won't make it over, at least haven't in previous incarnations of the Migration Assistant. But by and large, you are left with 98%, if not 100%, of the functionality, data, and preference tweaking that you had and, and it, it's no work at all. You just plug a FireWire cable in and you're done. In fact, you can even do it from a FireWire drive. It doesn't need to be connected directly to another Mac. You can do it from another FireWire drive. You can even do it from a drive, if you've got a desktop machine that can take more than one drive, you can do it from a drive that's mm -hmm. inside your Mac. So, yeah, man, the Migration Assistant 
would have no. saved you from an admirable geeky tour that you took. Yeah, no, let me, the, the, I exclaimed before, but I, I was surprised because my experience, at least on the, uh, I'm kind of old school, yo, with the old, uh, you know, PowerBook here and not the MacBook, which is um, uh, what we're talking about here. But my experience, at least on the, on the older uh, machines, was that you could take an external drive and it would pretty much, I mean, at least between my PowerBook, G, uh, PowerBook G4 and my Power Mac G5, I was able to interchange. And actually, I found that very useful. Now, are you telling me that that is not necessarily the case with the newer Macs, with the Intel Macs, that a drive that has been, an OS ten drive that's been set up, you know, with all the drivers and stuff, that there are potential uh, hiccups there? Well, it's a different computer. Well, no, I understand what you're saying, but he was going between similar machines. I believe he was going between two different He was going uh, from a, a first-generation MacBook Pro okay. to a what is a third-generation MacBook Pro, right? I okay, mean, so that's we, kind of what I'm asking is, is, is there enough of a difference in, in the – because I always thought that you know, OS X would have the core of what it needed – do you see where we're going here? Well, yeah, but but the, OS ten drivers and all that are in there. They just may not be used. But my experience has been you can bop a drive between two different, you know, like in my case, a desktop and a and a laptop, and it'll work. And we'll give you the. And it sounds like he's a Windows guy because he said blue screen, not yeah, gray screen that, or that's black right. screen. Yeah. <laughs> the blue screen is the popular term. That's right. But, but, but do you see where I'm going with this? So is, is there more of a chance that if you create, you know, that that an external drive will not work properly between different Intel Macs? I mean... Well, I mean, it's a whole different chipset. It's a, I mean, it, the processor is okay. different, right? The, because it's going from a Core Duo to a Core 2 Duo. Now we've Okay, got, but again, yeah. you know, I'm running a PowerBook G4 and a G5, and I can huh. take a, a external drive that's a full image of my PowerBook G4, plug it into my Power Mac G5, and it'll work. It'll boot. Huh. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, 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 that's... An, and listeners... You know, yeah. let, let us know your experience. Yeah. But I, I sense there's a difference between the compatibility of an external. You know, a, I use a carbon copy cloner, but I think it's similar to Super Duper. Yeah, same in that, sort of um, thing. Yeah. Okay, so um, uh, Un but yeah, unless, I'm, I'm with you with it. it mm -hmm. Unless the Super Duper made the clone without uh, maintaining permissions, in which case hmm. it would have caused exactly this problem, regardless of how compatible the uh, the Mac is. Uh, and I found one one other thing that I think is very interesting. Yeah. If you try to go to superduper.com. No, 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 I got no. a web. No, 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 no. I put a link in the show notes. It's uh, shirt-pocket.com. Yeah. That's where you're going. Well, superduper.com just gives you some silly web page. Oh, okay. It was just kind of funny. Oh, all right. Oh, so, well, then, uh, anyways, then maybe yes. they should go there. Is, that, is yeah, it safe well, for it, work? It, well, it says it has two quotes. It says, hi, how are you doing? And then it says, sweet, I mean, great, just marvelous. Welcome to superduper.com. I, I don't right. get it. And it's for sale. So if you want yeah. superduper.com, you can have it. It's uh well, you could buy it, I guess. It's a for sale. But yeah, I, I guess the close I think I'm with you is that it, it it sounds like, you know, sometimes don't make uh, don't create a problem by Yeah, again, I uh, hats off to to the effort here, but I think my creation assistant is exactly the right tool to do what you want. Exactly. So I don't think I'd, I, I'd only recommend, I think, a, a utility like SuperDuper or Carbon Copy Cloner as kind of a last resort, like if you're in big trouble, but not for, for general use, because Apple's thought long and hard about this, and hats off to the engineers that came up with the assistant, because the last time I oh, used yeah. it, I was just freaked out. Works great. That I'm like, oh my gosh, my machine was essentially duplicated. It, yeah. it, it shocked me. 
knowing what what's going on underneath uh that they were able to pull as much information as they did and it was you know very nice work so yeah all right uh one last little tip here and then we'll save the rest of this for well not next week because i'm away so i guess we're we're coming back in two weeks uh aaron writes in one feature of firefox i love the best feature since tabs is that Firefox will restore all of your open tabs if it crashed on you or, or you quit. I mistakenly found this same feature in the new version of Safari. Under the history menu, there is a menu item called reopen all tabs from last session, or if you had multiple windows open, reopen all windows from last session. And uh, and sure enough, it works just like you would expect it to. And uh, I been running the new Safari basically since the day it came out, had no idea. So Aaron, thank you very much for uh, for taking the time to send that in. We appreciate it. Oh, the band. The band. It's time, John. Hi, band. Yeah. It's, uh... Wow, time flies when you're uh, geeking out. <laughs> I think that's a new quote. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm up at the lake next week on vacation. Yeah, yes, we have the satellite link up there. No, I really don't want to use it. Uh, not really interested. So I know Skype does. No, work you, up you there. gotta you gotta disconnect from the grid, that's, man. That's my feeling. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, we're, I'm gonna be here. You know, we're gonna be, you know, blowing stuff up. I mean, we're gonna be doing fireworks. Okay. Oh okay. yeah. Right. So don't that's right. send anybody to my house. Man. We're just. I'm just doing fireworks. I thought you were having a party. I published your address in the uh, in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, small gathering. But uh, but no, we are not going to be blowing things up. Just hey, so sure that... I I went at uh, six o'clock Friday, and I left my house and drove to uh, Drake at Massachusetts and played a gig at the uh, at the Loci. What'd you do on at six o'clock on Friday, John? Uh, I don't recall. Oh, all right. Do you know if anything happened at six o'clock on Friday? Um, oh, that thing, yeah. <laughs> so you didn't go get an no, iPhone, I, did you? I'm, it, it's, it's few and far between uh, products that I'll buy without touching them yeah. or using them. Yeah. And and from what I heard, yeah, so, and actually I, I saw one, uh, you know, if I can find the link here, but they actually had this one person who I guess thought they were extremely clever uh, I forget which city it was, but they were paying people so they could get to the front of the line because they thought what they do is go into the Apple store and buy all of the phones. Oh, nice. Not yeah. realizing that they kind of had a limited two per person and no, so you couldn't go eBay crazy. And, and, actually, and I don't think funny. any Apple stores ran out on Friday night. I think some ran out of the 8 gig model, but... but uh, Some, but, I think some of the California stores, a few, depending on like probably the, the flagship stores like New York City, I think, and maybe... Uh, you know, Chicago, the North Michigan Ave store, which is another very nice store. But, but I heard, yeah, spot outages. The AT&T stores, I think, ran out quicker because yes. they uh, got a smaller uh, allotment. Yeah, but I, I, I looked the, when I had when I got home from my gig late Friday, like 3 a.m., a Saturday, really, and uh, checked the Apple Store iPhone availability uh, indicator on their website. And, uh, and I couldn't find any stores that didn't have them for Saturday, so... There you go. Like I said, I, th I yeah. think some some only had four gig models. Uh, they had run out of the eights, but, uh, but yeah, but AT and T kinda... stores ran out. You're right. Some, not yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I so if we'll... I got one on my doorstep and and it was free, well, <laughs> we we will I'm be taking waiting. a look at one here. Yeah, as you as you all know, I am a uh, a trio user, have been for the last two years, and very yeah. well entrenched in in being a smartphone user. 
am addicted to having my email on the phone and uh, and also liking my ability to sync with my calendar and uh, and that sort of thing. So we will be taking a look at one here probably in the next couple of weeks. And uh, until then, you can read all the coverage, of course, at iPod Observer and, oh, Michael, oh, yeah. and Michael Johnston's iPhone Alley site because uh, he's doing all sorts of stuff there. He was in line. He's got one. He did an unboxing. There's a video on his site, and uh, you can check out all that. Uh, I know Andy Anako oh, yeah. actually oh. published an article at iPod Observer today about his thoughts. Brian Chaffin oh, published excellent. his article. And Bob Levitas' re- review is coming to iPod Observer shortly. So let's now, Bob, there. Bob was one of the chosen, I think. He got to touch one at Macworld. I believe that's correct. Yeah. I believe he was one of, yeah. So, the, the, so now almost everybody has a chance to touch one and use it. And that, that, yeah. quite honestly, that, that makes me nervous. I, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of nervous about the non tactile keyboard deal but I've, I've heard mixed reviews yeah yeah what what has interested me about the reviews and i predicted this if any of you read any of my uh articles where i was interviewed or and such back in january when the iphone was announced was uh, uh and i've read some reviews today where people are saying oh yeah it's fantastic when you're on a call the screen changes and there's contextual buttons that that relate to the call like you can mute the call or you can put it on uh, you know your headset or the iPhone <gasps> you know thing or you can uh, transfer the call or not transfer the call but uh, you can uh, uh, add somebody to the call conference call I've and, never heard of that before that's amazing well you know and it's like well I can do that on my trio and I was actually talking to somebody today and I said yeah I can actually my trio does that just fine again I, I appreciate that the iPhone's interface probably blows away the trio but that particular contextual functionality is is available and it's like these people were talking about it like it was you know the gift from the gods and it's like yeah I can do that on my trio and they say yeah but you have to use a stylus it's like no uh, the buttons are big enough and made to be big enough that I can use them with my finger again not discounting any of the hard work that went to the iPhone. I'm sure the interface is fantastic. It's Apple. You all know I drink the Apple Kool-Aid, but it, it does bother me I... when there's these people out there that fail to research the market in which they're writing. And that... Uh, I... So, there you go. I sense a disturbance in the force. <laughs> it just drives me crazy. Your, your lack of faith disturbs <laughs> me. Oh. <laughs> So uh, now, what does what I did find interesting is I, I believe it was was it Ars Technica or Engadget or maybe a few of them, but we were curious at MacWorld what processor, and I think the consensus is that there's an ARM processor, which is a very popular yeah. embedded processor. So it answers the question: Did they port OS 10 to another processor? The answer is yes. Well, but then again, OS 10 and Next Step prior to it always had the ability to target yeah. multiple processors. So that's not a surprise that they're they're on an arm chip and already you've probably seen the uh take aparts you know some yeah. crazy people yeah well i fix it i think did they i, I think fix they, it. And a few other people yeah hey they they blew several hundred bucks and they <clears throat> i mean hey if they can put it back together and it works more power to them right? <laughs> i think that may not be the case yeah yeah but uh yeah to you know it looks sleek uh, a lot of people really you know it, i think it may raise the bar for phones because phones oh, absolutely think, you and i acknowledge absolutely a lot of phones, with the exception of maybe your Trio, I mean, the interface stinks. And even the Trio's interface is, it's okay, but it's limited, right? Especially the Palm OS, you know, it's not really built for doing something in the background. Though though people have figured out how to hack it and do that, like the, the email client I use, Chatter Email, works in the background, mostly. And sometimes it causes the phone to reboot. 
but you know that that's the way that it is my you know my phone spontaneously reboots a couple times a month really now i never have that with my although it's now probably a battlefield phone but the uh, the b710 yeah, but you don't, you don't have any third-party apps installed on it either. No, I do. I do. Oh, you do. No, okay. they have something. Well, it was kind of annoying called Brew, which was their proprietary yeah, yeah. Uh, Java Java-based deal. Uh, but everything I've downloaded from them, I've never actually paid for an app. It's like, excuse yeah. me, you want me to pay for an application to run on my phone? Yeah. But the free trials I've run, I've, I've never had one crash it. So, uh, huh. anyways, hey, but it sounded like a you know big success. Yeah. Um, and we'll take a look at one. I'm excited to look at it. Hey, don't don't get me wrong. My my uh, my lack of faith toward the the uninformed uh, pundits out there is, is not to be confused with my uh, lack of of excitement. And and there is that little itch. It's like I, I want to go touch it and, and play with it. And and uh, yeah, I want one, but I'm not convinced that I could actually switch to using it. But but we that remains to be seen. So I I, I will reserve. Further yeah. judgment on the device until I get to touch it. I will. I'm, I will stand and judge all day the people that write about them that clearly don't know the market, though, because it drives me crazy. Yeah, and uh, uh, with that, I think we should. Because right it. now, I'm. Oh, should we? Oh, gosh, no, it's okay. Yeah, say, what say what you're going to say. Say what you're going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say is actually my phone is on its last legs right now, so I think it's designed into Motorola phones. Oh yeah. That the recharger connector breaks after a couple of years. So right now what I'm doing is I'm charging batteries with an external charger, which I was able to find, no thanks to the Verizon people who told me it didn't exist. But anyways, I, so I have an external charger, and I swap the battery out instead of charging in the phone because some, something's loose there. But I'm not desperate enough yet to, to leap at the uh, at the iPhone there. And the, the, the big problem, I think, and a lot of people have, and depending on where you are, is the network. But I like Verizon. I'm in the Northeast. It works pretty good. Um, I don't know about the AT&T network, but I actually heard, oh, and works, this is an interesting report, some states, I think it was like, was it North Dakota? Some middle America states, I think you can't find an Apple store or an AT&T store or, or necessarily get huh. AT&T slash singular coverage. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of annoying. So they're, but hey, okay. But, but you're on them now? You're on... I've been on AT&T singular network yeah, currently? On, or AT&T oh, okay, for okay. many, many years. Well, I, was, I moved oh, to it. I think I had it since I was in Austin. I've been on AT&T forever. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, okay, so that. you can, uh. with, with that, you can ponder the Motorola cell phone breaking the charger connector conspiracy for two weeks. <laughs> and then we're back, uh, uh, whatever that day is. So that would be the 16th of July. Uh, wow. I get a vacation. There you go. You get a vacation. All right. Uh, Cashfly Hosting is where you downloaded this show from. Uh, there is the A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebone Software, one free download from Audible as long as you click the link in the show notes, and Page Sender from Smile on My Mac. Thank you very much for staying subscribed. We look forward to seeing you when we get back from vacation in two weeks. And, yep. and uh, the comments. Thank you. iTunes comments. We saw them. Yes, we love them. You. Keep them coming. And uh, you've got two weeks, so be careful and don't get caught. made up.